We all know that bragging is a bad thing, but Scripture often speaks of boasting as a good thing. What is the New Testament talking about when it uses this word boast so often? It's crucial that we understand it because it's right at the core of the gospel. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. The source that enables the service of worship is the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the second one, the object of our worship, which is Christ. He says, for, for it is we who, who worship by the Spirit and we who glory or boast in Christ Jesus. So this time, instead of the word worship, he uses a different word. Some translations say boast in Christ. Others say glory in Christ. And anytime you get that, you're looking at Bible translations and it's that different. Like glory and boast, those don't seem like the same word, right? So anytime it's that different, you, you know right away you're dealing with, okay, this is a hard word to translate into English. And that's exactly the case. We don't have an English word that's anything like this Greek word. Because it's very, very difficult to translate. And yet, it's important for us to understand what it means because this word appears very frequently in the New Testament, 50 plus times, and it appears in places like this. But really, really important theological statements. Like, if you glory in the wrong thing, you go to hell. If you glory in the right thing, you go to heaven. Like, that's important, right? So we need to know what glorying is or boasting. We need to know what this word means. But, like I said, it's very hard to translate. The problem with translating it as glory is it doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, nobody walks around talking about glorying in something. Nobody, we just don't use that phrase. And we don't like to use words that have no meaning. On the other hand, boast doesn't quite work because we typically associate boasting with bragging, right? And bragging is not, this is nothing like bragging. This word is nothing like, first of all, bragging is a verbal thing. And this word uh, is, uh, refers to an attitude. It's, more, it's, it's the orientation of your life more than just what you say. But more important, bragging is always bad. Bragging is prideful, sinful, bad speech. This boasting or glorying is not, is not it, it's neutral. It's neutral. It's, it's, it's a sin or a virtue depending on what you glory or boast in. Okay? So, just for the sake of this sermon, let's just use the word glory. Okay? So we, we can have an English word. So to glory in something means you point to that thing and say, that is the thing in my life. Like, that's the thing. That is, that is the thing I have to have in order to be happy, in order to be fulfilled. I've got to have it. I, that will give my life meaning. That is the thing that will keep me safe from harm. That's, that's the thing that really matters. It matters more to me than uh, other things. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that's really wonderful. You'd love to have it. You don't have to have it in order to be happy. But, but the thing... In your life, whatever that thing is uh, that you need it in order to be fulfilled, that's your that's your thing. And there's a lot of, or, or on the other side, there's a lot of things that you already have that you're glad you have them. They're nice, all that stuff. But if you lost it, you wouldn't be devastated. It would be, you'd be okay. Those things that you could lose and still make it, that, that's not the thing in your life. The big thing. The thing 
or the things. That's, that's the stuff that you've got to have. You've got to have it in order to be happy. If you don't already have it, then you're, you're unhappy right now and you believe that you will remain unhappy until you get this situation, this relationship, this thing, whatever it is. And so it motivates you. You would crawl over broken glass to have that. You would, you, and, and if it's something you already have, you would do anything to avoid losing it. Anything. Because losing it would be devastation. So what is your thing? For, for some of you, maybe it's having a wife or a husband. Or for a teenager, maybe it's getting your freedom. Or uh, it could be good health. It could be a certain job, a certain ministry. For some people, it's winning. You know, They just want to win. That's the, they're trying to get the gold medal. For some people, the thing for them is just money. Just money. Or for some people, the thing is approval. You know, like, I've got to have my dad's approval, uh, my, my spouse's approval, friend's approval, everyone's approval. I'm an approval junkie, you know, whatever. Just I've got to have it. That's the thing for them. For some people, it's just pleasure, you know, just, just fun. Got to have fun. Whatever it is, when you see someone with his thing, you know, he's got this thing, and he's 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 enjoy. You watch someone enjoying his thing, depending on his thing, counting on his thing, getting safety from his thing, or running hard to get his thing, uh, trying to get, uh, pining away, wishing he had his thing. When you see that, you know what you're witnessing? You are witnessing someone glorying in their thing. That's what the word means, to glory in something. That's what it means. You glory in that which you consider most valuable and most important. That's why you run after it, rely on it, and rejoice in it. So uh, you can just use those three. You can tell what's most important in your life by the three R's. Run, rely, rejoice. What do you run hard after to get? What do you rely on the most? And what do you rejoice in the most? That's your thing. And everybody has a thing. At least one thing. Everybody. Everybody glories in something. Everybody places his confidence, places his security in something, derives his happiness from something, runs hard after something. And there's really only two possibilities on your thing. It's either something in this world or it's Christ. And what Paul's saying is the most fundamental difference between a Christian, a true Christian, and everyone else in the world is a Christian, is someone who glories in, relies on, gets joy from, runs hard after Christ above all. And that, again, that's what no confidence in the flesh means. I don't glory in the flesh. My confidence, my joy, my hope, my motivation, my longing is, is focused on Christ and not on anything to do with the flesh, anything in this world. That's what this means. We don't desire anything more than we desire closeness with Christ. And if we were to lose Christ, that would be more devastating to us than losing anything else. Family, health, spouse, anything. And the greatest badge of honor that we can possibly imagine is, I know Christ. It's like the greatest honor. That's what motivates us. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning. It's what we would suffer adversity for. That's our thing. 
He is what we rely on, hope in, care for, long for. He's our great treasure. Now, that might come as a shock to some of you because some of you were taught that becoming a Christian is simply a matter of praying a prayer and inviting Jesus into your heart. If you were taught that, I'm sorry that you were misled. That is not what the Bible says. There are millions of people who prayed that prayer, invited Jesus into their heart, meant it with all their heart, and they're not saved. They're not on their way to heaven. Nowhere does the Bible teach that you're saved by praying a prayer. The only way to be saved is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can tell you have faith in Him when you glory in Him above earthly things. If you do not glory in Him, then you don't have faith in Him. You're not saved. So who are the true people of God? It's the people who serve by the power of the Holy Spirit and who glory in Christ alone and put no confidence in the flesh. All of that is verse 3. Okay? So, so then in verse 4, he, Paul starts describing what used to be his thing, which was legalistic religion. That was his thing. So in verse 3, he says, I put no confidence, or we put no confidence in the flesh. Verse 4, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. It's like when it comes to legalistic stuff, I'm, not, I'm actually not half bad at it. It's not like Paul turned to Christianity because he washed out of legalistic Judaism. Paul was the king of legalistic religion. So verse 4, he says, if anyone else thinks he's got reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then here comes the list. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day, by the books, right out of the hatch. I mean, I'm, in, I'm following the law. Next one, people of Israel, of the people of Israel, an Israelite by birth. And not just an Israelite, but then the next one, of the tribe of Benjamin, which is the elite tribe. That's the best tribe. And then verse 5, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Hebrew. I was born from Hebrew parents. I speak Hebrew. I read Hebrew. I can read the Bible in the original language. So far, all of that is what he was just born into. That's his heritage. The next three are his own achievements after he became an adult. Verse 5, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. You can't beat that when it comes to legalism. Acts 26, 5, he says, according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And then he goes on. And as for zeal, persecuting the church. You want to talk about like someone living out his beliefs? I didn't just sit around and talk about what I believe. I put it into action. I saw someone who was a threat to Judaism. I went out there and I tried to destroy it. He was out there. People, people, a lot of times people say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. <laughs> Paul was sincere, man. He, he, was, he really lived out what he believed. And then the last one, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. And so on the outside, you could not find a single thing wrong with him when it came to following the legalistic rules. Nobody could. You could interview his friends, his family, go back as much as you want, do your research. You're not going to find one skeleton in his closet. When it came to following legalistic laws, he was unsurpassed in his generation. And that was his thing. That's where his confidence was. That's what he gloried in. That's what he was relying on. So... So then what does Paul say about all that? Does he say, I had all that, but it wasn't quite enough, and, and so I added Jesus, and then that put me over the top. No, no, look what verse 7 says. He says, but whatever was to my profit, all this list of resume I just gave, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So it doesn't just come down to zero. It goes into the negative. 
loss. Everything that he thought was helping his resume with God was actually hurting it, pushing him away from God. And that's what happens to every legalist when they meet God, when they finally meet God. For years, they've been relying on all their rule keeping. You know, look, God, I got baptized. You know, I went through confirmation. I did good. I kept all the rules. I, I give 10% right off the top of my income. I, I've been faithful member of First Church of the whatever, whatever for 45 years. And I never miss a Sunday. And I teach Sunday school. And I'm a deacon. And, I, and, and, and they meet Christ and they find out that all those things are actually strikes against them. They're hurting their case if they're relying on those things to get them a favor with God and get them to heaven. Those things, in fact, they're not just loss. Paul takes it even further. Uh, It's even worse than loss. Verse 8, he says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Filthy garbage, the kind of stuff dogs would root around in, or dung, it's just, I think the best translation would be filth. Filth. Now, he doesn't just say, uh, I gained Christ and now I consider them filth. He says, I consider them filth in order that I may gain Christ. You have to consider them filth. All the stuff on your resume is filth in order to gain Christ. Do you know there's more than one way to live a filthy life? Normally when you think, if I say, this guy's living a filthy, filthy life, what do you think? You just think like doing a lot of really lewd, uh, immoral, gross stuff. That's one kind of filthy. Or you can lead, lead a really filthy life by being squeaky clean and religious and then relying on that to save you. Filthy. Filthy. Anything that competes with Christ for your reliance and your trust is filth. You're, you're trying to impress God with all your good works. Every one of those good works is pushing you farther away from God. So what are you relying on for your salvation? I mean, if you got really sick today, you could catch something, you get really sick, it gets worse and worse all day. By the time you go to bed, you're thinking, man, what, what if this is it? What if I don't wake up, I don't make it? I think maybe the next appointment for me is the judgment before God. What's going to happen to me? If that happened to you tonight, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven And if so, on what basis? It's like, well, I had a really good week. Heaven help you if you think that. Honestly, heaven help you if you think that way. Heaven help you if your answer to on what basis would I go to heaven is anything other than I know the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and I glory in Him. Augusta National is the most exclusive uh, golf club in the world. Each, you, basically, you can't get in. Right? You just—I mean, it's so hard to get in. Very few people. You can only—you can't apply for membership. You can only be invited, and very few people are ever invited. And and uh, every member is issued a, one of the famous green jackets. So if you want to go in there, you have to have a green jacket. The only other way to get a green jacket is to win the Masters. <laughs> then, then they'll give you one. So basically, we're not going, right? <laughs> not to insult your golf, but we're not going, okay? So, so if any of us happen to be traveling through Augusta 
and we need a bite to eat, it's not going to be in the dining room at Augusta National. What would happen if we wanted to eat there? We would drive up, and there's a gate, and we would be turned away at the gate. Why? Because we don't have a green jacket. The gates of heaven are a little bit like that. You, you can't get into Augusta National Dining Room without a green jacket. You can't get into the marriage supper of the Lamb without a white robe. Say, what's the white robe? Christ. Christ. You have to know him. But here's where that analogy breaks down. You get a green jacket through a spectacular performance on the golf course. You get a white robe by regarding all of your spectacular performances as filth compared to Christ. And so we sing, in Christ alone my hope is found. He's my light, he's my strength, my song, everything, he's my everything. This is cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. I, I rely on him, I lean on him, I glory in him. So till on the cross, when Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin, my sin, on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave, he rose again. And, and, and he, now he stands in victory. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me because of the Holy Spirit. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. So no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.